and welcome to Secure the Insecure, Episode 5. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by two special guests who want to tell you it's okay to not be okay. It's so important at the moment to just speak out. Just say, look, I need help, or look, I've suffered. I want you to know so it doesn't happen to you. On this week's episode, you're going to hear from Gail Porter, massive star in the 90s, hosting Top of the Pops, being on The Big Breakfast. But then there was a come down. And it led to her being homeless. She's going to tell you her candid story about that later on on the show. But first, I'm joined by Chelsea Outram. Now, Chelsea is a plus-size model who says that her insecurity is all about her stretch marks. Tell me more. Chelsea joins me. Hello, Chelsea. Hi there, Johnny. You okay? I'm very good, thanks. So, being a model obviously means, you know, your centre point on posters everywhere. But you have to go on a journey to get there. It's not just the fact that you rock up on a poster so what's your journey to being a model like modeling was never in my path it's never something that I've wanted to that I set out to go and achieve to be honest I've always been on the other side of the camera so I started off when I was 16 I owned um, a clothing brand with that comes creativity and I've always been kind of like the one that's always been on the other side of the camera directing from the other side I got pregnant when I was 19 and had my little girl and when I was 20 and was that in a relationship yeah 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 she was planned she was a Plan yeah. to have a baby at yeah. nineteen. Yeah, so my life was re- like I'd, um, I was well established. I had my own clothing line. So I had a baby. Um, I then sold my business. Um, the clothing brand as it it was getting too much. I was manufacturing over in China. Um, designing myself, and it was all a bit too much for when I'd had um my little girl. Um, so I'd sold the business, and then I was just unemployed. Um, just being a a stay-at-home mum really um and then a modeling agency was um dming me on instagram for about a year and how did they find out who you are i mean so i've always kind of had that following behind me because of the clothing brand and stuff like people would come in and take pictures in the shop and tag me and whatever so my following had always kind of been up there um and they was um a boutique agency in manchester so I think they kind of did a bit of research and found me. They was DMing me for about a year and I was just constantly ignoring them because I thought, oh my God, a modelling agency, like, I've just had a baby, I've got all these stretch marks, I'm not a size 8 by far, like, there's no way. But um, you're not big, because for those who haven't seen you, you're not big. I mean, I don't so, know about women's sizes, but yeah. you look beautiful Thank and you. you don't look like a plus-size model, as they call you. So I'm like a 14 to 16 size clothing um, um, and I think anything past a 10 is plusters. Wow. Yeah. So Crazy. plus size actually probably isn't as plus size yeah, as one no, is there to believe. No, not at all. And I think so there's a kind of category coming into play that's kind of called in between. And I think that's where I fit. But until that's fully enforced, I'm classed as a plus size model. How does yeah. that make you feel being called a plus size model? So you know what, like... I was uh, such a weird thing happened yesterday. So I've been in the mix of constantly shooting and shooting and shooting. So like now I shoot every single day. Whereas um, yesterday I got asked to do a catwalk for Simply Be, and um, they'd brought in eight um, real women, real of their customers, and two models, me being one of them. And we did this catwalk, and like these women were, um, let's say, a lot bigger than me, size 26, 20, 28. 
Um, and then after they did the catwalk, they felt so empowered. They was crying. So like literally things that like when I get things like that as a job, like it brings me back down to like why I'm doing this and what I'm. But in the modelling industry, we always hear firstly about the drugs that a lot of them take, but also yeah. about the anorexia and that people yeah. have eating disorders because they're told you have to be a size zero. So when yeah. you're being told you're a plus size model, yeah. Does that not make you go, well, hold on a minute, if I'm plus size to them, they know best, so I need to go on a diet now, and then you yeah. go on a crash diet so that you don't become a plus size model and you're just a normal model? <laughs> no, not at all. Like, I feel like, so <laughs> it's so funny, actually, because when we're on set, like, we'll have dinners and stuff, and they'll bring us pizza and whatever, and I'm always like, you guys are doing this because we're plus size, that's why. No. <laughs> <laughs> Where they give sushi yeah, and proper food to the nice one, yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah. having water. But no, like, I feel like um, I've been on a lot of shoots as well with um, where it's mixed, so there's plus size and would you say normal size models um and everyone kind of just they just fit into their category i've never so far touch would come across something where i felt uncomfortable modeling i've always been in a good like environment around good people and everybody's just there to do the job and there's been no warning signs or anything where i think somebody's like needed help and what about the diversity because you i presume from an ethnic my uh, background yeah. do you notice that there's enough diversity within the models that they're representing you enough or yeah. is that one of the reasons why you were wanted to be a model to get that representation yeah um no i feel like um every plus size shoot that i've come come across like i feel like there've been enough diversity i feel like um maybe the plus size even has a bit more diversity than um the other side to the industry and is that because they want to say we are doing it because uh, yeah. you know Mark Spencer's 100%. went through a phase about two years ago where it was like they were all looking the stick thin and then yeah. they did the whole disability campaign I think I'm right in yeah, saying yeah that's right yeah. Um, so you know they want to say look we're the ones doing it and we're not a tokenism yeah. there's no tokenism there yeah. you know, Coronation Street this week announced that they've got their first ever black family in 60 mm -hmm. years Yeah. but then that's the token family yeah. so you've got a token black family token Asian family <laughs> yeah, but if you're talking about plus size models there is no there's no tokenism there because no. you're all the same yeah definitely so I don't think there's a token in saying like there's a there's a plus size community but I do think that um, the diversity in there is really really widespread so I've been on shoots with black asian um so so many so many different plus size um models so yeah i think it is quite widespread okay so that's the modeling part uh yeah. but the other part too as we said your insecurity yeah. is the stretch marks yeah so that came from i presume when you had your baby yeah that's right yeah okay so the stretch marks you can't get rid of no when you saw the stretch marks and you're modeling and you're not wearing clothes how did that make you feel um being honest like up till now i never know until i get to the job whether they know about my stretch marks obviously so um i have my digits taken at um modeling and they'll pass them over to whoever whatever um people want them etc but it's only until so say when i'm doing e-commerce which is like website clothing etc it's only till a piece of clothing comes along where my stomach's out and then i put it on and i'm like oh they got it or oh they didn't know that i've got stretch marks um either way they're there and there's nothing that they can do the thing that i have come across is whether they photoshop them out or they keep them in okay so do they photoshop them Somebody and is there do. a law against photoshopping because i mean i suppose yeah. from a personal point of view from yourself yeah 
you know they're there and you know if they're being photoshopped. So I suppose my question is, firstly, does it bother you if they photoshop them because you're getting paid to do a job and mm-hmm. you need to look the best you can yeah. for that brand? Mm-hmm. And secondly, is there any rules or laws about photoshopping someone's, I don't know what you would call it, personal appearance? Yeah. Um. So... I would, I think, yeah, I would be offended. I ha- Like, it has happened before and I was offended that they... I mean, there's a difference between retouching and getting getting rid of the whole thing. And I've worked with a brand that just got rid of the whole, like, they made my stomach like it was pre-Amara, pre-my daughter. Um, and that did get to me because it kind of, like, took away everything that I stood for. And it was kind of like... I'm. I put myself out here to do this um, and to be a model with stretch marks, da, 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 and then you kind of just wipe the whole thing away. You kind of become and, an object, and you yeah, lose and your it's kind of uniqueness. like I wish that they wouldn't have booked me if that was the case. Like, there's so many other plus size models that they could have chose if they didn't want stretch marks, and they could have picked them with no stretch marks. But so yeah, it did get to me, and I didn't shoot with them ever again. <laughs> and they did try to book me again, and I was just reluctant. I was just saying no to to that to that happening um and did you tell them why so i told my agency why i'm not too sure whether that was passed on because do you think they'd have been embarrassed to find out the real reason or have they gone okay we accept that but actually we've also got a job to do at the end of the day and we need to have the girls looking as good as they can look see that's the thing like i feel like when it becomes plus size i feel like there's so the the guidelines are so much more um flexible like because with 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 being plus size comes cellulite comes so many other things rather than just stretch marks and um and i think that is kind of what the plus size community stand for in modeling like don't retouch what what we've got like we might be plus size but this comes with plus size as well um and second of all with with you saying is there any rules to retouching that isn't um but I have shot for brands where they have like retouched me and then I've gone back a few weeks later and they've been like, there's no retouching anymore. We're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to do that. But that's come from in-house. It's not come from any guidelines that they're not allowed to retouch or anything. Okay. So your insecurity is the stretch marks. Yeah. When you look at yourself in the mirror, mm-hmm. do you notice the stretch marks? And if you do, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I feel like um, as time's gone by, I've been more... I've kind of got used to them a lot more um when they was first there I think it was such a big shock because I was 19 as well and I think at 19 you are very focused on how you look and you present etc um so when I was getting these big big red stretches up my up my stomach like I literally was just I was mortified. I was like, oh my God, like I'm never gonna and I was and it knocked me back so much. I was literally such a confident person and it knocked me back so so much. Um but as time's gone by and I've got older and I've had a Mara now and, and I think the modelling career has helped me a lot to get over them. because um, it's kind of given me the oomph to realise that even though I have got them I could still do something that's based on my appearance. Um but yeah, I think that I've grown with them, definitely. Five years after having your daughter and mm-hmm. having these stretch marks, yeah. what would you call in the book of your life this chapter now? 
Oh, that is a good question. I feel like this chapter, like, I'm so, so, so grateful and thankful for where I am at this moment in time. Like, I literally couldn't, I couldn't have wrote my life to plan out this way, even if I wanted it to. Like, I'm literally so, like, I get taken back so, so many times, like yesterday with the Simply Be Catwalk, for example, of when these girls have finished the catwalk and they're crying and they're just so overwhelmed with being able to walk down a runway in a swimsuit and be empowered by all these women that it really takes me back and makes me think that you know what Chelsea like this is what you stand for and this is why you're doing it and so I'd um to put it into a title I'd call it thankful and grateful literally what an amazing girl what an amazing achievement and you know it's interesting as a guy to hear about the modeling industry because i've got no idea about models i see pictures i go oh you know they look nice but i'd never know the ins and outs of it and it it disturbs me that chelsea calls herself a plus size model because she's not plus size she's 23 years old she's not what one would call oversized or you know in their 40s she's literally in her prime and to be called and to accept that she's a plus size model it's really disturbing and something needs to change as she said they've got this new interchangeable uh size between the size zero and the plus size models but even something else needs to be done i don't know what but something else needs to be done Anyway, food for thought there. Coming up next, you're going to hear from Gail Porter. Now, she was a massive star in the 90s. Still is a presenter. uh, One of the kindest people that I know. She spoke to me all about the embarrassment of when she became homeless. But first of all, I started by asking her what her career was like in the 90s. The 90s was, I was trying to explain it to my daughter. My daughter's now 17 and um, obviously she saw the picture of me naked on the Houses of Parliament and, you know, when she was younger, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, mum, why would you possibly do that? And then now she's a bit like, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. It is cool. It <laughs> it's is cool. Yeah, that was my mum, that was. And um, How did that come about, actually? Because I, I have no idea about this other than someone said to me once, oh, Gail Porter, oh, she's the one who was on the Houses of Parliament. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the whole thing, happened was I did a photo shoot for a magazine called FHM. I don't think it's still around anymore. It's like GQ, you know, Esquire, a, a, a lads mag. So um, they said to me, we've got no money. Could we just do a quick picture of you? It's going to be on like page 70 or something. And so they took a picture of me naked. And I thought, you know what? I had a few glasses of champagne. Why not? Let's do it. What's What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and so then, they say. Yeah, exactly. And then there was one day I was in um, my little tiny flat in um, Kilburn in London and I heard my name on the news when I was in the shower and I was like, why is my name on BBC News? This is really odd. And I went through and I saw my that tiny picture that I didn't get paid for <laughs> plastered across the Houses of Parliament. And yeah, it's like a hundred foot naked Gail Porter. <laughs> and I am, then the phone started ringing. My mum's going, what have you done now? <laughs> it's like, well, uh, everyone like, kept calling me and saying, I hope you got paid for that. And I said, I didn't get paid. I didn't, I didn't even know they were going to use it. It's illegal. And, um, 
yeah, so that was that really. So um, as much as it was like a non-paid job, it was one of those things that people still talk about. And that was 1999. So it's quite a long time ago. Interesting you said it's illegal. What is the legality it is a, No, that? actually, it's illegal to print any sort of image onto a public building. So like the, whether it's like the palace or, you know, you're not allowed to. So there's, there's a company called, <clears throat> I have to take this really slowly, Cunning Stunts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did that well. Okay, so they basically took my image in a wee van, got a projector, waited till midnight when there was no, uh, there was no police, there was no one around, no security, and they flashed it onto the building for about one minute, got back into the van, left. Don't know who these people are. Don't know anything about them. But that's what they did. One minute. Because I think you can get fined. Well, you can get fined, but it's illegal. You cannot put any sort of images onto like uh, any sort of parliamentary, any sort of building like that. And what about from your side? Because you've not <laughs> consented to say that you actually want your body that exposed. <laughs> you kind of knew. You'd signed the agreement that it was going on FHR. No, I didn't sign. I didn't oh, sign didn't No, no, no. I just turned up and they said, we're not sure if we're going to actually use your picture on page 75. And I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm, you're only young once. They're never mm. going to use this picture. No one's going to ever see it. <laughs> Apart from the entire world. And yes, so <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of one of those things. I was a little bit taken aback and I was kind of shocked. But then again, I just thought, you know what, either you worry about it or you go, this is not going to happen again in my lifetime. <laughs> well, literally anyway, once lifetime. in a lifetime. And look, as you said, 20 years ago this happened, yet 20 years ago we're still talking about it today. It's so, so weird. Your 90s kind of decade must have been incredible. The things you must have got up to in the 90s. I was actually not, I was not that badly behaved. I was kind of, I think everyone thought we were all, you know, all the 90s girls, we were all kind of doing lads mags. But to be honest with you, we were doing, we were doing big breakfast. So you'd be up at two o'clock in the morning and then you'd be at the studio for four o'clock. Then you'd run through it. Then you'd be live at seven. Then you'd be off at nine. Then you'd go and do other jobs. Then you'd be on top of the pops at seven o'clock at night. And then you'd go back to bed and then you'd be up again at two o'clock. So I think everyone kind of thought we had some crazy, we're out partying 24 7 i literally was just wanted to go to bed because it was a job it's not a lifestyle it's a job you're there to of course do paid it's a work. job yeah so with a paid job being the big breakfast the biggest show in the 90s that was when you were at the high it had to go from high to low as everything does so everything then does, what yeah. happened um do you know what? I, I think I, I did. Gosh, I can't remember really. So from Big Breakfast, Top of the Pops, Wish You Were Here, um, then eventually uh, became a mum. And uh, yeah, had the best time. But obviously, when you become a mum, you can't... I, I'm not the sort of person that can afford a nanny or um, I don't have my mum. My mum passed away. So it's not like I can say, could you just help me here? So it was um, pretty pretty tricky and then I was going through a divorce so it was kind of juggling everything all at once and then um, while I was going through my divorce my hair fell out so it was suddenly getting offered jobs I think when I got offered jobs in the 90s I was young and it was all about pop music and you know we were all having fun whereas now could you actually put the television on and go oh, I can't wait to watch Top of the Pops on a Friday night it doesn't happen anymore there's no fun things it's like you're either a reality show people or you're having sex on telly so you know in our days it was fun fun and um like interacting with people as opposed to sleeping with someone that you've never met before on a beach <laughs> I, completely agree. I completely agree with you i'm yeah. just nodding away here yeah. so 
going uh, so going through the divorce led your hair falling out, and the the thing well, about... it wasn't it wasn't because of the divorce. I think I mean I I've got an autoimmune deficiency, something wrong with my, it's me. But I think the more I worry about things, the worse it gets. So um, yeah, so it's, it's nothing to do with the divorce. I think basically, if I worried about anything, I I just yeah. It's good get... though because I don't have to go to the hairdresser. It? It's been two <laughs> seconds in the morning when someone phones and goes, "Oh, you've got to go to a job in twenty minutes." I was like, "It's fine. I don't have to do my hair. No problem." For a woman, body image, hair is one of the most important factors. If you have a fringe, if you don't have a fringe, so when you lose all your hair, does that change the way you look at yourself? Fortunate, if if that's a word you can use when you lose all your hair, but it happened within four weeks, so I didn't have time to think about it. I had this huge amount of long blonde hair down to like the top of my bottom and then suddenly it's all in my hand and it's not on my head anymore so I thought okay either I feel sorry for myself or I just grab it and go do you know what it's another it's another it's another journey that I'm going on for whatever reason and yeah you have you have good days you have bad days like today I'm having a good day that's because you've seen me that's because I've seen you and I've yeah I just (laughs) exactly I just think you know what I'm I'm just lucky. I'm very lucky. You know, I don't have my mum. She lost her hair for a very different reason. She had cancer. She lost her hair through chemotherapy. I don't have that. I'm a very fortunate human being. But do you know what one of my favourite stories was? There was this guy um, driving past me the other day and um, he was in a white van. And he thought it was really funny, wound down his window. And he's like, oi, baldy. And I thought, oh, that's that's inventive. That's that's really clever of you. And then also I noticed he was going up to um, traffic lights and they were red. And I was like, you idiot. So I just walked up, knocked on his window and I went, do you want to say that again to my face right now? My name's Gail. I've got two black belts in martial arts and I will kill you. No problem whatsoever. I could just see him staring at the lights going, go to green, go to green. I was like, yeah. Yeah, get out your van now, Mo. Uh, he didn't get out of the van. <laughs> no, of course he didn't. <laughs> He's so scared. I want to talk to you about another chapter of your life, which was where you were homeless. How did you get into that situation? Oh, well, do you know what? It's, it's a very easy situation to get into. Um, yeah, I was kind of... No, work wasn't coming in. You have to pay the rent. Uh, so no money's coming in. I've never taken. I don't take benefits. So I just kept thinking, right? I'll get another job. I'll do this. I'll do that. And nothing was paying enough to actually pay rent. I was in a one-bedroom flat, and I just couldn't afford it. And um, yeah, so eventually it got to the stage that I said to the landlord, "This is the last thousand pounds I have to my entire life, and I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to leave now." And when I left, I was like wow okay (laughs) I've got nowhere to go (laughs) so um yeah so I ended up kind of like out in the streets for about six months backwards and forwards I was staying in you know um staying people's sofas there was a couple of nights that I was out on my own like fending for myself uh because also I was I was too embarrassed to tell people so a lot of my friends now say, why do you not call us? Why do you not? And I said, well, A, I couldn't call you because I couldn't afford a phone. <laughs> so it's like people don't think, they think, oh, you're homeless. Well, just call us. It's like, well, I couldn't afford to put money on the phone. I couldn't contact anybody. And uh, it was just embarrassing, really. But um, I think it's um, it did me good in a way because it makes you, I mean, I'm a very compassionate person anyway, but to actually 
live that way and just think, you know, it can happen to anybody at any point. You know, you can be going top of the pops, having a great life, and then suddenly I'm on a bench in Hampstead Heath. <laughs> Don't know why I'm laughing. I think it's nerves. <laughs> Well, but you've you've hit the nail on the head, especially in the TV world. You go from show to show, so you're filming a block of a show. That's that series done. You might have to wait a year or two years for the next series, and you still need a job because you're still getting that money. Yes, you're living that lifestyle, but you also need the money when the jobs aren't coming in, especially as TV presenters where you're the flavour of the month. And then the next flavour is literally coming up um well, exactly. I think I think as well. I never I never did one of those lavish lifestyle things. It was kind of you know. I kept everything quite quiet, did my own thing. I loved, don't get me wrong, I loved every single job that I did. I liked everyone I worked with, but I loved my bed so much. <laughs> it's like, as soon as everything finished, I was like, oh, great, I can go to bed and I can get up and go to the gym in the morning and then I go back to work again. And then when the job, they say, oh, yeah, we're going to get have another series next month. And you think, oh, brilliant. And then they call you up a couple of weeks later and go, actually, we're not now. And you're like, oh, right, okay, so how do I pay for next month's rent? I don't know how this is going to work and then you try and get you just yeah you don't know where one job's coming from and you know i don't know bit tricky really and when you're homeless did no one because you were in the public eye did no one notice and you know start an appeal for you or oh, you know make a thing for it well <laughs> no. i would i if i knew you were homeless i didn't tell anyone so i would just walk around like i'm dressed now i, I always dressed slightly crap so i kind of dressed like a child and yeah I kept my head up high and then it was not till everyone gone to bed at night I was thinking right so I need to figure out what I'm doing so no one knew nobody knew I didn't tell anyone I kept it quiet and just kept my mouth shut and just thought you know what I will survive until tomorrow and then we'll figure this out And that's it for another Secure the Insecure of me, Johnny Seifert. If you've liked what you've heard, please give it a rating, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment and then share it and let other people know what you've heard. It is so important to say it's okay to not be okay. And it's also so important to be inspired and educated into people that you don't necessarily know about. I've been Johnny Seifert. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>